The product has taken nine years to develop and test successfully using the skin of codfish caught locally, cleaned, dried, sterilized, and packaged for treatment of chronic wounds, burns, oral cancer, internal cosmetic and reconstructive surgeries, and other applications for the reduction of inflammation and pain. The market implication is huge. According to Parshree's article, quote, some six and a half million Americans suffer from chronic wounds, whether related to vascular disease, diabetes, or complications from normal procedures. The five-year survival rate is 54%, and treatments cost more than $25 billion a year, end quote. Parshley continues, quote, The U.S. Department of Defense is on the lookout for better burn treatments because of the increase in service wounds from improvised explosive devices. In a study conducted by the U.S. Army Institute for Surgical Research, the fish skin bested the healing rates of cadaver skin, a common military treatment for burns. The Army has also funded several further studies showing that unlike rival products, fish skin can ward off bacteria and reduce bleeding." Unquote. So what we have here is a turning of the circle of knowledge, the rediscovery and reapplication of the healing property of fish oil, harvested as a value added from a traditional food product, enabling new employment for fishing communities and innovative, more powerful treatments for the injuries of modern war and of many other conditions that can be better and faster healed by a natural process derived from the ocean. That is the true message here, that the ocean has such an enormous, known and unknown implication for human health. When we fail to use it well, or worse, when we despoil or exhaust it, we are depriving ourselves and our children from its healing properties in a simple bandage, a new medicine, or the purity of the food we eat, the water we drink, and the air we breathe. The sea connects all things. We will discuss these issues and more in future editions of World Ocean Radio. This summer, we are revisiting some of our favorite World Ocean Radio episodes that highlight optimism in ocean news, science, and advocacy. World Ocean Radio is distributed by the Public Radio Exchange and the Pacifica Network for use by college and community radio stations worldwide. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts and at worldoceanobservatory.org. Thank you for tuning in to KBOO Portland. Andy Joseph Gallivan, and you're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guests this week are Kyra Watkins, Asa Wright, Ruben Lawrence, and Cassandra Swan. They're here talking about Never Look Away, a new mural sponsored by Pride Northwest at Northwest 8th and Cooch in Old Town. <laughs> 
Thanks very much for doing Art Focus by Zoom. Thanks for having us. Yes, yes thank, thank you. you. So this is a, a huge mural. It's, you know, the width of a block and it's on the DeSoto building, which is a sort of art gallery condo. And it's in front of a private parking lot. And as you look up, there are these eight faces there, prominent members of the LGBTQ community of Portland over the years are sort of historically well-known people. Um, there are, you know, it's, it's heavy on portraiture. So Kyra, you're, you work mostly on the portraiture. How did you capture these faces? What was your beginning source material? Were any of them done from life? Uh, none were done from life. I, I, I feel very spoiled on this project because it, it took a lot to get to this point. So a lot of the foundation was already set. Um, there were a lot of source material for me to choose from because it's already been a lot of, uh, the ball has already been rolling a lot of research. And so really what happened was Cassandra reached out to me and gave me a lot of source material about who I'll be working on and a lot of reference material. So I just took that and then I made my own reference, a, a miniature painting, if you will. And from that, we used that and imposed it into the actual design. Do you have a particular style yourself? Like if you were to sit down and do a portrait of your mom, mm -hmm. like would it look like this? Uh, no, mostly I work in color. Uh, it's still the same expressive naturalism take on portraiture. Um, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that I render so highly that I would call it photorealism, but I'm still in naturalism. And I guess it would, it would just be a little more saturated in color and a little more vibrant. Mm -hmm. what, what's interesting, you know, all the faces are in black and white, all the body and clothes are in color. And they're very vibrant colors. There's a lot of big oranges and blues and greens and pinks. Um, what, just tell us why the faces are in black and white. Well, I think as far as design standpoint, I think Cassandra could uh, speak more to that. But and as, as a spectator, because a part of me feel that way when looking at the mural, I would say it's because we really want to highlight the work they've done in the community. And hopefully that people see themselves in these figures. Um, and so that they'll be a stand-in for the rest of us within the community. But I would actually would like to probably pass that, that question along to Cassandra, our lead artist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cassandra, you're, you, so you're the lead artist. So you've been working on the whole design of the piece. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I kind of started everything and then, and we had a lot of discussions between, you know, different people to, to figure out really the best visual representation for what we wanted to be putting out there. Um, and then, yeah, and I was just kind of, you know, I'm not really a portrait artist, so that was intimidating to me. So Kyra came in and just like did an amazing, amazing job. And and um, yeah, I'm so, so thrilled with the portraits. So start with that. But yeah, um, I think you really hit the nail on the head, Kyra, that it's, um, it was, to me, it was a way to reference the fact that, you know, while we don't want this to be a monument or something that deifies people, um, it is still historic and it's uh, important. And I think um, there's a timeless quality about a black and white or a grayscale image that um, makes things feel both far in the past, but also sort of present right now. And it, there's no, doesn't feel, um, 
tied to any particular time. So that was that was sort of where that came from. And then also just on a visual, uh, purely artistic level, I love how the the vibrant colors, as you said, of the figures and and the background shapes, which are so, sort of supposed to represent um, community, they all just envelop the um, the black and white faces. So it's sort of meant to be something that while we still see people's unique differences and there's references to their individual stories, it's also a unifying factor and, you know, across time, across race, across gender representation, across sexuality, that we can kind of say like, we are all like a group. And then there's this community that, that kind of envelops us and helps us grow and move forward. Thanks. Uh, Ruben, you're one of the producers of the mural. So this thing has been in the works for a long time. Um, tell us who, just who's in it, going left to right, who are these notable figures? Yeah, sure. So uh, we have uh, eight different people. So yeah, I'll go through them from left to right here. Uh, so first on the left, we have Marsha P. Johnson, and uh, it, who's known to be uh, one of like a prominent figure uh, at the Stonewall riots and just generally a prominent gay rights activist. Uh, then we have Kathleen Sadat, uh, who is uh, a local person, and she was one of the people who uh, helped organize Portland, organize and actually do Portland's first ever Pride Parade in about 1975, 1976. Uh, next, we have Rupert Kennard, uh, who is an openly gay African-American cartoonist, uh, and he created the first ongoing uh, gay and lesbian uh, identified African-American comic strip characters. Uh, I think they're called the Brown Bomber, who is a teenage superhero, and Diva Touche Flambe, which is his ageless lesbian partner. Um, then we have Lynn Nakamoto, who um, has been working in the area of um, queer rights for many, many years. Uh, currently, she is a sitting Supreme Court Justice here in Oregon. Um, I think she got her post in about 2015, uh, but her work goes way back. Um, one of the things she's really known for um, is she's the one who filed the amicus brief for the Tanner versus OHSU uh, decision, which allowed OHSU employees to gain health benefits for their same-sex partners. And I think this was back in the early 90s. Uh, next, we have David Martinez, who is the co-founder and current chair of Portland Latino Gay Pride. Uh, he has worked tirelessly for years to build bridges between uh, the Latino uh, LGBT uh, community and then the larger uh, LGBT queer community in general. Um, next is Angelica Ross, and uh, she is someone I think who's a more of a well-known national figure. So she is a businesswoman, actress, and trans rights advocate. Um, she's a self-taught computer programmer, and she went on to found and be CEO of Trans Tech Social Enterprise, which is a firm that helps employ uh, trans people in the tech industry. Uh, next, we have Asa Wright, um, and Asa Wright is the founder of the Portland Two Spirit Society, PTSS. Um, and Asa is actually on with us here today, so um, it'll be it'll be really cool to from him what it's like being on this mural um, and then finally we have Aiden Dowling who is a trans activist and entrepreneur um, who uh, 
became uh, nationally recognized uh, when he was a lead contender in Men's Health Magazine's search for the ultimate men's health guy um, in 2015 and ended up winning uh, with over 70,000 votes. So that's a little bit about each of the each of the people on the mural. Uh-huh. So um, Asa, you're, you're on the mural, you're second from the right and you're wearing a grass dance um, what would you call it? An outfit or yeah, outfit or regalia? Regalia, yeah. It, it's it's you know the most fabulous thing on here. Everyone else is just wearing like button-up shirts and you know t-shirts and things. Um, how often do you wear this? And what was it like sitting for the portrait? Um, it's a cultural regalia, and so I uh, will wear it. For very, uh, various cultural events throughout the year, um, that's kind of been uh, uh, stumped by COVID, unfortunately. So a lot of our gatherings have been canceled for the last two years, um, and continue to be right now while we're kind of trying to keep our communities safe. Um, yeah, uh, I didn't actually sit for anything. That uh, this was a, a photograph uh, of me in my regalia that the team used. Uh, they did an absolutely amazing job though. Um, and the mural is really beautiful. And I uh, just have no words of like how honored I am to be you know, in this project and part of it. So it's really amazing. Just say a little bit about the grass dance. Um, yeah, so uh, grass dance is a, so a lot of uh, native culture now has become intertribal. Um, but this grass dance originated in the plains uh, um, area, and uh, they were kind of like the the lead uh, group before any gatherings took place. Um, uh, it was like a healing dance, but then it, it also became like this kind of lead dance that would come in and clear the way for everybody to have a gathering space. Um, so they were always the ones who like prepped the area and and made the space safe. Uh, and so uh, I've been grass dancing for uh, a number of years now um, and was really glad that it could be part of this mural um, because, you know, it's it's very pivotal in who I am and my identity as a Native person, um, as a Klamath Modoc. And so I'm really, really grateful that I got to have that represented. Um, and that's been something that's <clears throat> that's really stood out uh, in addition to being, uh, you know, a queer mural of just the cultural representation has been really important and and really amazing to have uh, in the mural as well. Mm-hmm. Do you um, do you have any other representation like of your dance? Are you on YouTube or where can people find you? Um, no, I don't for dance. Uh, that's kind of my own uh, personal thing. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of where people can find me, I'm also an artist, and so I do graphic design and painting. But um, yeah, my dance is just something that's it, that's my own. Mm-hmm. Um, Cassandra, just tell us quickly about the color scheme. So the whole thing is has a beige upper. So behind everyone's head is a sort of a beige color, and then. Uh, behind everyone are, are various types of uh, rainbow kind of colors. Some is, is stripes, some is blocks of color. And then below is just plain gray, presumably where 
the taggers go, the short ones, and uh, cars block the view. So who came up with that beige sort of sky? The, uh, the beige is actually the color that was uh, previously on the building. So um, on that side of the building, actually the other sides are kind of differently colored. But um, so yeah, we, we had the option to paint it a different color in the background, but Kyra and I talked about it and we both kind of liked the mid-tone, the warm mid-tone of the, I think it's actually called caramel, um, <laughs> but the, the beige of the wall. So we decided to just keep that um, and, and so that it would feel, you know, rather than like a giant poster being put up on a wall, it's kind of more integrated into the building uh, a little bit and settling back. And um, yeah, the gray, you, you are correct. The gray is to hopefully protect us from any tagging or other nefarious destruction that might happen. <laughs> My name is Joseph Gallivan. You're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guests this week are Kyra Watkins, Asa Wright, Ruben Lawrence, and Cassandra Swan. They worked on Never Look Away, which is a new mural uh, sponsored and produced by Pride Northwest, and it's at Northwest 8th and Cooch. Um, the mural is complete. There will be a sort of a media opening on the 20th of August, but, you know, people can go and stand there right now. Um, Kyra, I think Kyra and Cassandra, I'm interested in how you work with flat space. Um, is there a sort of perfect vantage point with a big mural where you can stand? Is it meant to be seen from a moving car? You know, what's the what's the viewer's perspective? I can take that one, Kyra, if that's fine with you. Um, I mean, I would say that I think it, it probably took a little while for the true scale of this to really sink in. Um, and I'm mostly a digital artist, so this sketch I've been doing digitally um, since the beginning. And, you know, I, I had the architectural drawing, but I didn't necessarily like go and stand next to the wall and think about like, where would I look at this to see? Um, so I kind of had this zoomed out view on my screen that I had been looking at. And um, what ended up happening was that it just became this really <laughs> large uh, piece that you can't really necessarily see all in one spot. Um, mostly just because of obstructions. There's a tree and some signs and things, but um, but I really, you know, although it was unintentional, I really like that about the mural because it, it feels kind of like larger than you can see at one time. It feels bigger than one person um, and it feels like there's kind of more to discover about it. And that's, that's exactly the feeling that we have been trying to go for ever since the beginning is, you know, knowing that there's some stories here and encouraging people to find out what they are. Uh, it looks like you left a bit of room next to Marsha to pop somebody else in later. Is that true? Where the stars are? <laughs> Where the stars are. Um, that was kind of a combination of factors. Um, the practical side of the equation was that there's a power line right there, and we weren't sure exactly how we'd be able to maneuver around the power line. So rather than you know, stretch out the timeline and run into more potential problems, we decided to do some subtle design changes to allow some extra room there. Um, but kind of simultaneously, at, uh, 
when we were making that decision, we also decided that we really wanted to represent um, all of the trans lives that were lost in 2020 somewhere on the mural. So we had kind of, we put in these little Easter eggs for each um, person and Marsha P. Johnson had founded um, this um, home called the Star House. And so we had one star on the mural originally for her. And then we decided, no, let's put 44 stars, one for each reported trans life lost in the United States in 2020. Um, and so I think ultimately, when you look at the whole thing, the fact that it feels like there's someone missing there, and by the way, so many people came up to me while we were painting and they were like, put my face there. <laughs> so it, it's a common phenomenon that people think there's something missing. Um, but I think that's also right. You know, like there is something missing. There's at least 44 lives missing that should be here. And I want that to be something people think about also. Mm -hmm. um, we we only, we, Zoom is telling me we only have a few more minutes because I started recording late. There's a limit on, you know, free calls over four people. So Kyra, um, what was it like, you know, getting up there and did you, you did the actual applying the paint, is that correct? Yeah. So what did you have a projector? What were you working from? So we were very fortunate enough to have an organization called Really Big Video uh, donate some time and project at a large scale this this rendering. So tracing was pretty much uh, not as, as difficult as it would normally be on the average project I've worked on. It's been very fast thanks to, the, thanks to them. Um, but as far as painting, it's funny we talk about vantage point and how you see a mural it's very different where you're really smack dab on the wall so it takes a lot of um a lot of just training your eye knowing where you are on the surface and you just it's 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 i guess it, it takes it comes with practice having done so many large-scale murals i know that what doesn't make sense up close can translate very differently from far back and it takes a lot of getting down and and spectating like i i think i became one of the first fans of this project just by constantly getting off that wall and just looking at the whole process and just just seeing it come to life mm -hmm. um don't you get in the way of the projection when you're up there? To some degree. I think you can kind of maneuver around it. There was a lot of contorting that had to happen, but we made it work. We had an amazing team and took some hours, but we got it done. And then also at the end of the day, we also leaned on our technical skills as artists and just being able to map like, here's where this is, here's where this is. Okay, maybe in the center, I should put this here. So. Who, uh, what kind of paint did you use? So we, uh, we got our paint from Miller Paint. Actually, I'll let Cass, you want to talk about this? You're, it's fine, no, yeah, but you're right, Miller Paint is just- <laughs> Miller Paint, yeah, exterior paint, yeah, from Miller yeah. Paint, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think some other interesting things about the actual paint itself, um, and I mean, I think we all learned a lot in this project. So there's, um, <laughs> here's some of the different kinds of paint, so there's, um, something called the elastomeric paint, which is the sort of caramel colored base coat that was um, on the wall. And that's a really thick paint that's designed to, for, uh, to seal up like masonry surfaces because it's an older masonry wall. So, and it also allows for expansion and contraction due to heat and cold uh, over time. So that provides a really nice stable surface. So that was the base coat we had um, our contractor do. And then it was just, um, you know, acrylic paints that were used to actually do the mural. 
And then there's a specialized, a sacrificial anti-graffiti coating that um, goes over everything on the mural uh, when it's done. And so the idea is then if it is tagged, that sacrificial coating is removed and then reapplied and the mural underneath is, is kept safe. Um, so, and then um, the buffer line, which is kind of the eight foot uh, section at the very bottom, which is kind of like a dark gray, um, yeah, that was intended to sort of lift the mural up uh, so it's more visible even when cars are parked there as well. Um, yeah, so it was uh, definitely a learning experience on lots of fronts. Okay, it's telling me we have one minute to one minute 45. So um, I want to ask Asa something. Asa, what, what do you tell people about the other, your, your colleagues in the mural? Um, when they ask, you know, why, why are you up there? What's the, what's, you don't use the term heroes, you use the term community members. What do you want people to see when they look up at your face? Um, I would say I, I do use the word heroes uh, because I feel like I am amongst my heroes and people that I look up to and people who have really, you know, paved the way to for me to live in my authenticity and for me to be able to be inspired to do the work that I do. So I'm really grateful to be among the people that I am on the wall. And, you know, if anything, you know, I really dodge the spotlight, but I know that this is a, a greater representation. So it's not just me up there. It's, it's representing the queer community. It's also representing, you know, native people. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really blessed to be a part of it. And I hope that, you know, that people can see themselves when they look at all of us on that wall. And then even if they are looking at our representation that they're seeing for the first time, queer representation, native representation, Latino representation, black representation, all this, they're seeing their faces like they've never seen it before and their community members and they're having a sense of ownership and pride that their city sees them and respects them and is honoring the work that we do in our communities. My name's Joseph Gallivan. You've been listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guests this week were Kyra Watkins, Asa Wright, Ruben Lawrence, and Cassandra Swan. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus by Zoom. Thanks for having us. Yes, yes thank, thank you. Semantics, bigger standing cinema. Dress my friends up just for show. See them as they really are. But the people in my brain, two new pants to have a go. I'd like to be a gallery, put you all inside my show.
When you wake up on the sea Be sure to think of me and you To think about paint and to think about blue What a jolly boring thing to do Andy Warhol looks a scream Hang him on my wall 